The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw a mostly mixed market trade on the day Thursday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today as we broadcast live from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today and making us part of your day as we will be talking about the markets and issues impacting rural America. We'll be catching up with Brian Doherty at Total Farm Marketing, Senior Market Advisor there, coming up here later in the show to discuss this market trade, which was relatively mixed on the day. Thursday, we saw a little bit of buying interest in beans and wheat when the equities came off their lows, and it's something to keep an eye on there. We still have support uh, with the ongoing drought in Argentina here in the soybean market. Production estimates continuing to erode lower there. Hard red wheat prices found a little support as they bounced off the bottom of their chart channels, supported fundamentally here a little bit by disappointing moisture totals in dry areas of the plain. So, a few things to look at there. We're going to be uh, talking to Brian about those. I'm interested in this crude oil market as well that's uh, been finding a little bit of value it appears here uh, below this $80 level on improving global demand so I'm sure we'll get into that and we got producer price uh, index out as well on the day Thursday producer prices are accelerating the labor market remains tight which argues for the Federal Reserve maintaining its pace of rate hikes for longer than Wall Street had hoped for. That's something we're going to keep an eye on as well here. Hardline inflation at the producer level fell to 6% year-on-year in January, down from 6.2 the previous month, but above analyst expectations of 5.5%. So we're going to dive into the markets later in the show here, again with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing, so stick around for that. Again, though, I mentioned we are at the National Farm Machinery Show here in Louisville today. We're going to catch up with a few uh, folks here out on the trade show floor. I got a chance to talk with a couple different uh, folks here earlier this morning, and we're going to get uh, them here on the show today. We're going to talk with Connor Bergen of Fent. They have some new products on display here. One that's not on display here. It's actually out at the World Ag Expo in California, but nonetheless, we're going to learn about that and more from Fent coming up here in segment two today. But first off, kicking off the show here today, we're going to talk about a couple different things. The first one is ag tires. It's getting close to spring planting season. A lot of producers are looking in the machine shed maybe, getting things ready, thinking about what they need to do to be prepared for spring planting, and maybe time to get some new tires on that tractor possibly, or new planter tires, etc. Well, Trelleborg and Mitas, they are here at the National Farm Machinery Show, and they have a, a pretty expansive lineup of ag tires. I got to catch up with Chris Neidert with Trelleborg. We're going to listen into that interview here right now on Market Talk. 
Joining us now here at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, we have Chris Neidert with us with Trelleborg Amitas. Chris, great to catch up with you, sir, and uh, so far so good at the National Farm Machinery Show. It's a great crowd today. Well, Jesse, we love coming to these shows. You know, uh, we're a major manufacturer, and we have to have a presence here. And the National Farm Machinery Show, we've been coming here for many years. The crowd's always very good, and you can hear it around us here. So we're having another good day. Well, let's talk a little bit about Trelleborg, Mitas, some of the products you guys have when it comes to ag tires. I think about, you know, we're getting to spring planting season right around the corner. Farmers, they're going through the machine shed. They're looking at their equipment. They're taking a look at their tires, and maybe they need to get some new tread on that tractor before they hit the field. So walk us through some of what Trelleborg Mitas has to offer as we get into the spring. Well, you know, you mentioned spring planting. That's our busiest sailing time of the year. And you said it, the farmers are starting, the growers are starting to look at what they need. And with Trelleborg and Mitas, we have a huge portfolio of tires, Jesse. Tractor tires, sprayer tires, combine tires. I know it might be a little early for combine, but some places are, are combining. And we just have a big uh, tanker tires. In fact, one of the tanker tires we're, we're uh, showcasing here. But a full breadth of product availability. Well, and I think, too, you know, a great thing for farmers, a lot of the product, you know, done here in the U.S. between the Spartanburg, South Carolina plant, the Charles City, Iowa plant, between Trelleborg and Mintos, you guys have a lot of great production right here in the U.S. Well, thank you for mentioning that. And as I say on sales calls, Jesse, we build tires in the greatest country in the world, and you mentioned it. Spartanburg, South Carolina does most of the Trelleborg Charles City, Iowa does most of the Mitas, so it's really nice to talk to the growers. They can buy a tire produced here. Well, and look at around here, just some of the tires that you have in the booth here for Trelleborg and Mitas. Obviously, impressive quality, and that's what farmers are looking for when they are wanting to put a tire on their equipment, Chris. And thank you for saying that, too, because, you know, we position the Trelleborg as the ultra-premium brand. Uh, we compare ourselves to some of the other major manufacturers. The Mitas product's a little more price-sensitive. Now, that doesn't take away from anything. And, and let me tell you something. We have a tremendous OE fitment on both brands. And if you walk around the show, you go into whether it's a tractor manufacturer or a sprayer manufacturer, you're going to see some Trelleborg and Mitas product on the equipment. Well, and of course, Chris, if growers want to learn more about all the different products that Trelleborg Mitas has, thinking about what they have in front of them and all the options and talking with a representative, I'm sure they could start easily online, can't they? Well, absolutely. So you can go to Trelleborg.com. Now, this is a little long one here, Jesse. <laughs> Trelleborg.com forward slash E-N dash U-S forward slash wheels. Now, you could do a Trelleborg.com, but us being a worldwide company, you want to go to North America. If you want to do that, pick North America, and it'll get you to the ag website. Fantastic. Chris Neidert with Trelleborg. We appreciate the time here at the National Farm Machinery Show. Thanks for catching up with us, and we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Jesse, thanks for letting us talk about our product.
And once again, Chris Neidert there with Trelleborg, and they have a lot of different tips on tire maintenance, tire pressure, etc. You can find all that online. Just uh, look up Trelleborg again at that website, and and definitely uh, something to think about is you know looking at your tire maintenance, your tire wear, and more before you hit the field this spring. Well, coming up here in segment two as we continue our coverage at the National Farm Machinery Show, I mentioned that uh, we're going to catch up with the team at Fent. Connor Bergen is going to join us, talk about some of their new products and the new lineup that they have including combines tractors and their row gator as well also though i got a chance to talk with the folks at traction now traction handles farm accounting they have software to help make farm accounting easy you know you might think of quickbooks per se well this is a kind of a, a quickbooks type software geared for agriculture obviously in a year like this you got to know your break-evens you got to know the cost of your inputs you know like those tires that go on your tractor that's an input cost that you got to deal with obviously seed and everything else and looking at your marketing and just knowing where your break-evens and balance is currently well traction is helping folks do that we're going to talk to hannah everett's from traction coming up in segment two as well so we're going to get a couple different interviews in here as we continue on the program today plus again markets fairly mixed day on thursday we're going to talk about those coming up later in the show with brian doherty of total farm marketing plenty more on the way here on market talk as we'll be back broadcasting live from the national farm machinery show in louisville kentucky back with more right after the break the market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk, broadcasting live at the National Farm Machinery Show here in Louisville, Kentucky today. Great crowd, a lot of folks making their way around the show floor and seeing a lot of the great new equipment that is here on display. Our friends at Fent, they have some new products on display. We got a chance to catch up with Connor Bergen on the trade show floor a little bit earlier. Learn more about some of the products they have here and a new product they have rolled out here in recent days that is not here at the show in Louisville. It's out at World Ag Expo in California. But nonetheless, we're going to learn about that more. Here is that interview with Connor Bergen of Fent. Connor, good to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Great catching up with you. Great to see you again and uh, to see a lot of people again. Man, the show is packed. It's been a ton of fun and uh, all the latest innovations, Maybe less one, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but all the latest innovations uh, from us, from Fent, here on display at the National Farm Machinery Show, and wow, 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 it's been, uh, it's been busy. A lot of conversations to be had here with a great crowd, as you mentioned, and I sure, I'm sure a conversation piece is the combine, biggest combine in the world, I believe, correct? You hit the nail on the head. Yes, we have our ideal 10T on display here. Um, you cannot miss it. It is the biggest combine <laughs> in the world, as, as, as you just said. And uh, it's, been, it's been getting a lot of attention. There's a couple things that are just very, very unique to this machine. For one, it's size. I mean, uh, uh, more threshing and separation area than any other combine in the world. Highest grain storage capacity, fastest unload uh, rate longest auger, uh, 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 excuse me, rotor system in the industry. All those things add a lot of value in terms of just total throughput capacity for our customers. But you also notice uh, no steering wheel in this machine. It features our ideal drive joystick uh, steering system. So those long harvest days makes them feel a lot 
less long. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, better operator comfort, much better forward visibility, and reduces uh, reduces fatigue. So, um, yeah, it's getting a lot of attention here today. Well, you guys have another new product here on display at the show. Talk about that a little bit, Connor. We do. The all-new Fent Rogator 900 series literally takes spring to the next level. As you can see here, physically does that. It's the uh, industry's first uh, push-button, two-height, uh, or two-position control machine. So now we can go from a standard clearance position where we're running literally 90% of the year, right? Yeah. But when it's time for that late season fungicide application or late season uh, dry fertilizer application, with the push of a button within a matter of seconds, we now take that up to a higher clearance machine. Um, it's, it's capability, it's adaptability. We've redesigned the way the system interfaces with the chassis of this machine to almost more of a tractor implement style hookup. Uh, so we can combo this machine, go from liquid to dry, dry to liquid uh, within a matter of hours. Very easy change out process. And then last but certainly not least, uh, we have continued to evolve and refine our liquid logic offering, which is more efficient, uh, it's safer, it's cleaner, it provides more consistent product because of the way that uh, the, the system is constantly recirculating and keeping our booms charged. Um, so just has gotten a lot of attention, continues to get a lot of attention, very impressive machine. Well, another new item from Fent that we should talk about, not here at this show, but it's out at the World Ag Expo right now, a brand new tractor series from Fent. Talk about that a little bit, Connor. Yeah, we are really excited about the all-new Fent 200 series, uh, and it is in California for a reason. That's going to be a big market for this new machine. The 200 series is a purposely built specialty crop machine. Uh, there's four different platforms, but purposefully designed for vineyards, for orchards, for vegetables, for nuts, um, and then a standard version, of course, for... Uh, for standard, uh, more standard type applications. But uh, ranging, there's three models ranging anywhere from 95 to about 115 horsepower. But this is going to be a very, very special machine for people looking for something in that size or running in those applications. And, and here's why. Um, for one, as I always like to say, the heart and soul of any Fent tractor is our CVT transmission. And that's something that people love, love, love about these machines. Uh, the Fent 200 series is no different. That offers our Vario CVT transmission for an exceptional, easy, easy and uh, seamless um, user experience. Uh, we have the ability to dial that into a tenth of a mile an hour, operate in either joystick or pedal mode. Um, so it's just a really great user experience. But in addition to that, as I like to say, all the smart technology that we're known for mm -hmm. on our bigger machines is in now this smart size, smaller, smaller machine. And um, what I mean by that is like our Fent One operating system, a very ergonomic, sleek armrest design paired with our, uh, our, our single or dual 12 inch tablet-esque style displays that are fully customizable. Um, these, these operators uh, and buyers are gonna have a user experience like nothing else out there for that size machine. And when you factor in the labor equation, right? Mm -hmm labor is in such high demand and will yeah. continue to be. Now we're providing these uh, uh, farms, whether it's a, a, 
a vineyard in Sonoma Valley or an orchard in Michigan or Canada or a cattle operation in Oklahoma. We're providing them with choice. We're providing them with uh, a a user environment like nothing else out there that's going to help. It's going to help attract more labor and it's going to help keep their their uh, their their workers and labor happy. Connor, if uh, growers want to learn more about the Fent product lineup, I'm sure online, contacting their local dealer, a lot of great ways to uh, learn more information, isn't there? There sure is. Of course, check out our website at www.fent.com. Uh, for all the social media followers out there, uh, follow us on Facebook at Fent North America or on Twitter at FentNA and um, reach out to your local Fent dealer. Fantastic. With that, Connor Bergen with Fent, thanks for joining us here at the National Farm Machinery Show. We appreciate the time. Likewise, really appreciate uh, you stopping by and we look forward to visiting with everybody here today. And again, that is Connor Bergen with Fent. I also got a chance to learn about Traction, a relatively new company helping out with software for farm business management. I got a chance to talk with Hannah Everett with Traction. Here is that interview. Let's learn more. Newer company, a lot of stuff when it comes to you know the business side of farming and agriculture. So talk about just first off, what is Traction? Sure. So we're a farm accounting software. So we're cloud-based. We're really focusing on knowing your numbers in an instant and making sure that you can categorize things the way that you want to. Um, you can basically kind of think of us like the QuickBooks for farmers, right? Built for farming. Uh, we understand that accounting is not the favorite thing that farmers want to do. It's not what they want to spend their time doing typically is sitting in the office and putting in those numbers, but it's important to make sure that their operation is as efficient as possible. And so we want to provide that to them. Before you even said it, I was thinking, okay, the QuickBooks <laughs> of agriculture, that is a perfect you know, synopsis of what traction does. And, and you know, obviously knowing those break-evens, knowing your input, output costs, et cetera, just looking at the numbers and looking at the you know, spreadsheet, you know, what it used to be, you know, right now with a pencil and a spreadsheet, now a lot of things moving online just makes things easier to know what's going on on your operation. Absolutely. And we've even got, um, not just can you get on from your browser, you can get on from an application. So we've got an app on your phone. You can download, you can be sitting in the cab of your tractor and putting in your financial documents and making sure that your accounts are all up to date. Plus that you can pull a balance sheet in an instant with a click of a button versus sitting for hours in your office, going through all of your spreadsheets and making sure everything's manually up to date. We can integrate with your bank account, pull that in automatically. And then on the operation side, we can pull in your field data from John Deere Operations or Climate Field View give you a field profitability report with a click of a button. Well, and I have to think as well, ease of use, a lot of farmers, you know, some maybe not as good with technology as <laughs> others. They're learning, they're growing. So talk about the ease of use. You mentioned the app. So obviously a couple different ways you can use traction software. Sure. So once you've got everything set up, we've got your chart of accounts built. We run you through, we do a full onboarding with you to make sure that you're super comfortable in using it and your data is your own. So nobody else is getting that information. It's just for you. Uh, but once you've kind of figured out the system, it gets very, very easy to just allocate transactions, categorize them the way that you want to, and then pull those reports as you need them for a banker or a lender, whoever that might be. And obviously in a year ahead where we're arguably putting in the most expensive crop we've ever put in here in the U.S. in 2023, mm -hmm. it's important to know your numbers. And sometimes you need to know those numbers real quickly. And that's obviously what Traction does. 
Yeah, we really just want to save time, right? We want you to be able to make the best decisions possible as quickly as possible. So you don't have to spend hours trying to come up with what that might look like for you. If you want to go meet with a lender, you want to buy a piece of equipment, you need to know your input costs right away. You can do that very simply within the Traction site and you can access that from your phone, from your tablet, a computer. You can have people in the office looking at it while you're looking at it in the field. Um, the convenience is a huge plus for us. And once again, that's Hannah Everett's with Traction. Learn more about their products, tractionag.com. Again, tractionag.com. All right, up next, we're going to talk markets. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joins us after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we take a look at Thursday's market trade action as we are broadcasting at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville. Joining us from his home office in Wisconsin, our good friend Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Joining us, Brian, good to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're having a, a good week so far. And uh, market trade on Thursday, for the most part, looked uh, fairly quiet. I know some different news items we're going to dive into, but overall, the uh, We'll call it a somewhat quiet day on, the, on Thursday, Brian. Let's call it consolidation in the grains today. You did have a little bear spreading in the beans. Uh, on the settlement, you, you saw soybean meal uh, edge back to about steady. It's been beat up a little bit the last couple of days. Soybean oil was uh, 50 to 70 points higher. But in corn, a little mixed close there, uh, down a quarter in March. So again, consolidation, 676. Trading range pretty tight today. We had a we had a four cent trading range in corn. So not much going on there. Soybeans, a penny or three quarters of a penny higher in March. But a little strength in that November up eight and three quarters, maybe trying to start to compete for acres a little bit here. Um, beans slipped off that $14 mark kind of hard, if you might remember. And mm -hmm. um you know, all of a sudden we're down 1335 area. Now they crept back. So it's, it's becoming a little bit more interesting between corn and beans. Um, for what it's worth, just not hearing a lot from our farmers that are telling us, boy, I'm really he heavy corn. I'm really heavy beans. I think the general consensus is acres for both will be up some, probably around that 91, 92 on corn. Last year, we were about 89.6. Six. So a little bit of an inc increase there is what we probably look for. We'll get more information here at the end of February in the Outlook meetings from the USDA. And then, of course, farmer-led survey on the uh, uh, March 31st acreage report. Definitely. Well, in the case of soybeans, you mentioned some of that bear spreading on Thursday. And South America, I know Argentina is going to go dry again here for another week. And we've had a little bit of a, a slow pace to harvest in Brazil, although it doesn't seem like the trade is too concerned about that here as we work through this week it just it feels like we're going to get that big brazilian crop harvested but you know we watch south america are we waiting to maybe see just what happens here a little bit in the trade right now 
I think that's certainly feasible and, and a realistic expectation. You know, something that we looked at today were export sales. So mm-hmm. now they're through last week, right? But but when you looked at soybeans, 18.8 million, not a not a bad number, but not a robust number. And what I want to point out is that year-to-date sales of beans, 1.767 billion bushels. Pretty good number. Last year at this same time, 1.7665. The reason I point that out is last year, um, we really start to see exports pick up because Brazil went dry with the with the La Nina pattern. That's not the case this year. So if you're looking for some kind of a repeat there, that'll not be the case. Probably the weather market that could exist in Brazil would just be very substantial rain that really limits or drags out the harvest. And there's been some of that, but I don't think that you can you can at $15 plus beans, you can really hang, hang your hat on that right now. Um, and I, I, so, so, so it's kind of a no news market right now is what it is. Uh, but the export sales all year had been running ahead of last year. Now we're seeing where last year, you know, those numbers are now going to probably outpace where we're at this year. I saw we did get a daily export sale to unknown on Thursday morning. So something else of note in the bean market with bean meal. I know we've touched up against this $500 a ton mark. We've gone over it a little bit. Feels like though we, we don't move much past that. Now we come back a little bit. Is that, does that feel like the resistance area where demand starts to dry up a little bit in the soybean meal market, Brian? I, I, I don't know how it doesn't because it's a high price. So, so, the only time you really see increasing demand is if you see the market chasing supply and that is buying basically at all costs, make sure you have it. I just don't think we're in that environment. We, we know the Argentine crop is likely to be smaller. We know the Brazilian crop is likely to be larger. And then kind of an interesting thing reading some this week here, it looks like India of all places have been picking up some of the slack on soy meal exports their export sales are up year to date. So so when you kind of step back and look at it, it's not quite the same marketplace we saw last year. Last year at this time, we were getting very concerned about the buildup on the border in Ukraine. The market was pricing in some uncertainty. We had crop condition concerns in in Brazil with drought. And then you had, you know, a, a real sort of uncertainty yet as to what the what the farmer had on hand. And we saw these big basis levels starting to percolate and thought, well, maybe the USDA overestimated the crop or maybe the carrion was actually smaller. And it turns out it's probably a little bit of a combination of both. You don't have quite that uncertainty this year, even though in January, if you might recall, the USDA made a pretty bold move and reduced harvested acres in corn by 1.6 million. That's a big move. So we thought maybe February, the USDA might, you know, take those numbers and massage them a little bit. We didn't see any change in February. So it looked like that might've been it. In KC and spring wheat on Thursday, we had a little bit of strength there. I know this winter wheat crop in the plains is going to start coming out of dormancy in the next couple of weeks. I wonder if that's going to start having an influence a little bit more on this trade. What's your thoughts in this wheat market after Thursday's action, Brian? I think I think the market will start to pay a lot more attention to rainfall totals and then as we come out of dormancy and then what does it look like? So talking to a producer in western Kansas today, he said everything is powder. They've had days where the roads are closed because it's so dry, it's just blowing dirt. So this is a shrinking drought map, but that area continues to stay very dry and they're struggling to keep up with uh, even irrigated wheat to keep enough water on it. So probably not going to be one of our banner winter wheat crops and the market may show more reflection in that 
or potentially some more type of spread activity where where what you'll see is you'll see, uh, for instance, you might see Kansas City wheat higher one day, Chicago wheat down. Um, Chicago was down four today, Kansas City up four. So prime example today of what that looked like, probably just a reflection of um, good rains in parts of the Midwest for the soft red and not good rains for the hard red. With the corn market, too, I know, I know you touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk there. I, you know, I can't count. I lost count how many days I've seen, you know, front month futures in that 670, 680 range, and then the new crop somewhere 590 to 6. I mean, it just doesn't seem like this corn market wants to really move much one way or another, and that was the case again on Thursday, Brian. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about this before. One of the problems you have in a tighter supply crop at higher prices is that that spring is kind of compressed. It can move higher. What can happen is what's been happening in the corn market is prices gravitate in March toward the 685 and 690 area. Uh, you're just not finding new buying interest. When it gravitates lower, selling interest kind of dissipates. I think part of that combination of selling, some of it comes from the farmer. I've talked to plenty of farmers who've said, you know, I don't want to be the guy holding that big inventory this year if this thing tips over. They just don't feel good about new crop input prices, don't feel good about, you know, kind of the world market, what that looks like, black swan events, war, you know, whatever. Um, so I think the farmer's been really responsible. I'm going to call it responsible and not taking this, you know, massive risk holding big inventories. And that in part has kept our market in check. Uh, it seems like the whole world's kind of holding their breath, waiting to see what the next few months bring as far as the South America crop and then how it looks for, for, the, for the beginning of our crop. I guess I'm going to kind of argue that on the new crop prices, they are priced where they are. That is a discount to the old crop because the end user just isn't willing to pay more than what it is right now. So you look at beans, 13.85 on the board, that's, that's, that's old, uh, new crop, old crop 15.25, big discrepancy. Uh, same thing in corn, you have that big discrepancy there, uh, basically 5.95 to 6.76. But the world is betting on a couple of things, or at least the end user is at this point. And that, that is that, that um, the U.S. producer and all producers are going to do the best they can to produce a new crop. So you're betting on the producer, genetics, tillage practices, equipment, and you're going to assume, I think, until proven otherwise, that we'll have more, maybe a little bit more shift toward normal weather. And the shrinking drought monitor map would tell you that. Brian, how much uh, are you watching this crude oil market? It feels like we found a little bit of support right below the $80 mark. How much is that playing into commodities in your mind? Well, it's, it is ultimately supportive for corn and the crush and the and the use of ethanol, um, and and that's all good. Um, the the issue with um, you know getting too let's say enamored with crude oil prices holding on to you know supporting corn prices is again one of these anecdotal things. But if you look at the price of of um, uh, natural gas, it is plummeted. And it's a component to producing a corn crop and drying a corn crop. So, so um, when natural gas goes from you know five dollars to two and a half, that's a big deal, and that that's what's happened in that market there. So, so so ultimately, the energy market doesn't look like it wants to get you know much below the mid seventies. Um, there's talk of the you know the administration wanting to fill up reserves if if it gets down towards seventy. So it's kind of the bite and put, if you will in the crude 
Um, and, and then, you know, we go back to the war and what does that look like? Um, mm -hmm. Just some, you know, I, to me, escalation in the war, uh, just reading out of the uh, Forbes, uh, you know, well over 200,000 Russian soldiers alone may have been in, killed or injured. And it's just it's just devastating. So hopefully this wraps up soon. That's just the Russian soldiers. Well, we are having a conversation today with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing Broadcasting here at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to continue that conversation coming up here after the break. We're going to dive in a little bit on some of the consumer price, producer price data, inflation data, that is, we've seen this week. We'll talk livestock and dairy markets and more. We'll be back with Market Talk on the way right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we are having a conversation today with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing as we broadcast live at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Brian, I know this week we've had a slew of economic data out. Uh, the producer price index came out on Thursday, uh, showed a hot inflation number again, uh, up 0.7% month on month. That headline number was 6% year on year in January. Feels like though, with all this inflation data, economic data this week, that the commodity markets for the most part have digested it fairly well, at least it looked like to me. Well, I, and I think if you look at at the idea, okay, maybe raising interest rates again, if you look at the dollar, so the dollar has been a pretty reflect, pretty strong reflection of, of, of inflation and rising interest rates and sort of this hawkish uh, mentality of the, of the Federal Reserve that, that you need to raise interest rates to, to combat inflation. So the general wording, though, that, that at least I'm gathering out of the Federal Reserve is that interest rate rises are likely, but they're going to be small in nature, not these real, you know, what we saw uh, six months ago, where it's just one, you know, three quarters or half after another after another. Um, and, and so when you look at the dollar, the dollar did bottom here in early February after after it peaked in, in September, it was in a nice downtrend bounced up here, but it, it, it bottomed at about a, what we call a hundred, okay, or a hundred point one. That's the index in around 103, but it peaked around 114. So the dollars kind of percolated up some, but it hasn't taken off. And I think that's why commodity prices, you could argue, are holding despite this inflationary concern. Um, and then there's also the mentality you want to own raw commodities into inflationary periods. I'm not sure at these prices, you know, how many beans do you want to hold at 15 plus dollars? I'm, I'm not sure I buy into that. Let's talk about the livestock market. Cattle trade was um, mostly lower on the day Thursday, seeing a little bit of cash activity in the north, some bids starting to develop. But overall, that's pretty quiet. What's your thought in this uh, cattle market here as we near the end of the week, Brian? It's the same thing as we saw in the grains. Consolidation, not a lot of excitement, nice uptrend. You can take a look at any of the live cattle contracts. Uh, new contract highs established either this week or last. Uh, things look firm underneath. We're expecting cash cattle prices. We're hearing whispers in the in the upper 60s, um, and so we, we at least it looks like that that's going to continue to be the trend for right now. That the market is supportive of cash cattle prices, and demand is uh, despite 
higher prices, demand is holding up with these little bit smaller inventories so than compared to a year ago. So uptrend attack, no strong topping activity that 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 uh, looks like in the live cattle market. Uh, feeder market, same thing there, continue to look like uh, a market that uh, has still some life to it. Um, softened a little from, from the highs that were established here uh, three days ago. But again, a market that holds together well. The interesting market is the hogs. We had the summer months kind of surge right back up and pick up from 99 to about 105 and now back uh, under 104. Um, just can't quite seem to decide which way they want to go. But it, it suffices to say, I, I think the hog market is more concerned about overseas demand than the cattle market is. And in part, that's because the hog herd in, in China had rapidly built back up and got to pre-African swine fever uh, levels. And then I'll switch over in the dairy market real quick. Mm -hmm. I just can't get out of that. Um, can't get out of that. Um, that I'm going to call it downtrend or funk or whatever. We had a couple nice up days and we're toying with contract lows again. Um, enough inventory. Consumers are not running to the supermarket to buy dairy. The perceptive view of the dairy is, look, we're kind of past the key demand season and we got spring flush coming down the road. So challenging environment right now for the dairy producer. Unfortunately, I think dairy producers are really good at what they do and that's produce more. And so that may be the first step toward thinking about trying to increase revenue is to produce more. Oh, and I one thought on that hog market too. I know April took over as lead month futures this week. We we kind of closed that premium between April futures and cash a little bit on Thursday. It's now about a ten dollar premium. Uh, so definitely some things to watch uh, there in the livestock trade and the dairy market too. Great thoughts. Brian, before we wrap it up today, any final thoughts you want to share with us here on the show? Well, again, it's, to, to your corn and soybean producers, uh, just kind of remember where we are in the calendar. We're mid-February, and although the new crop prices are a discount to the old crop, they are still at a high level historically. So, so a lot of people kind of just waiting to see what happens. Um, waiting can get kind of speculative after a while in the sense that it's a risk. So um, if think about what it looks like if, if prices rally 25 or 50 cents in corn and 50 cents in beans, or if they drop off the same, same amount of corn or beans and the corn gets kind of sticky pretty quick. So you have some conversations with your advisor, look at different types of strategies that might uh, work for you to, to start defending prices. We're, we're getting close to that time of the year where kind of that February, March, April, May window, that's sometimes our, our key opportunity window. Well, Brian, if folks have questions, want to reach out to you there at Total Farm Marketing, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, what I'd ask them, just, just reach out to us with a phone call, 800-334-9779. So that would be my my first ask. And then uh, uh, if you want to email it, Brian with a Y uh, uh, at totalfarmmarketing.com, send me an email. Happy to answer that. Or look on our website, www.totalfarmmarketing.com. Fantastic. We appreciate the time. As always, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. Have a great weekend, sir. We will uh, talk to you next week. Okay, Jesse, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
And again, that is Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joining us here today on Market Talk. We appreciate his time with us here on the show today. Also, thanks to our guests here at the National Farm Machinery Show, talking with Chris Neider to Trello Board, Connor Bergen with Fent, and Hannah Everett's with Traction Ag. We're going to have more conversations here from the National Farm Machinery Show coming up tomorrow here on Market Talk as well and keep you up to date on what's happening in the market trade and news surrounding agriculture. That is going to do it for today's show. Once again, thanks so much for joining us and making us part of your day here on Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.